You're listening to episode 42 with Mina Gooley, CEO of Thirst and a global water advocate. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water, the public communications company founded by yours truly, the H2 Duo. Hi, I'm George Hawkins, past CEO of DC Water, founder of Moonshot, the professor of practice at American University. This is a podcast that helps you communicate the value of water. And what's more important than that? It's Water in Real Life with my friends, the H2 Duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. So what does it mean to go rogue? It means you know we've got some serious challenges facing the water industry, but you're ready and willing to do things differently than the way we've always done them. Why? To build the bridges necessary between our industry and the people we serve to move things forward. At Rogue Water, we work with you to provide the strategy, content, and resources you need to effectively communicate with your customers so that you can work together to provide sustainable clean water services and to create healthy communities. Are you ready to go rogue? Find out more at roguewatergroup.com. A week ago, we didn't know who Mina was. Uh, on Tuesday, I received an email through the h 2 a website from a member of her team, and they were just stoked to find a podcast all about water conducted by a duo of women water nerds. And uh, by that Friday, we had rearranged our entire day to drive to Dallas to interview her. I had checked out her website at minaguli.com, you know, to come up with some questions. And as powerful as the imagery and video storytelling on her website is, nothing really compared to or prepared us for sitting across from Mina and hearing her tell her story in her own words. Mina is passionate about solving the global water crisis. I mean, passionate is kind of an understatement. If you look at Mission Driven in the dictionary, there is a picture of her, I'm sure. This is something, uh, the global water crisis is something that we as water professionals are obviously more aware of than say the average member of the public, which is primarily the primarily the group that she is working to get more engaged with the water crisis. However, despite our heightened level of awareness, it's still not something that we necessarily focus on on a day-to-day. Like, like anyone else, the whirlwind of the everyday become our blinders. We thought this was an incredibly inspiring conversation for the water industry to hear. Hearing from different people with different backgrounds and experiences drives this idea of divergent thinking, which is oftentimes the birthplace of creativity and innovation. Mina spoke with us about how we need to be communicating better, how corporate advertising has robbed us of the capacity to listen, and that grassroots person-to-person engagement and storytelling is what will help us learn how to listen again. She truly validates for us the power of story to move awareness to action, and she reminds us that anyone can be someone and that all of us are capable of changing the world. Mina is the founder and CEO of Thirst, a nonprofit changing the way we think about water. To highlight the global water crisis, Mina completed the Seven Deserts Run and the Six River Run in support of the UN Sustainable Development Goal 6. Mina has been named a young global leader by the World Economic Forum, one of Australia's most influential women, and by Fortune Magazine as one of the 50 greatest leaders in the world. On November 4, 2018, Mina began her next challenge, hashtag running dry, which will see her run 100 marathons in 100 days around the world for one reason, water. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Mina, we are beyond honored to be sharing this time with you. Um, I'm glad that we got an opportunity beforehand to nerd out about water. It's so exciting to talk to people who are as passionate about water as, as we are. So thank you so much for taking this time to speak with us today. 
That's okay. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to have an opportunity to talk about not just all things water, but particularly how all things water can become all things important to everybody across the world and particularly right here in the U.S. Absolutely. Um, so the first question that we typically ask our guests is how they got into water. You aren't really in water the same way uh, that many of our guests are, but that's that's even more intriguing to us. So tell us a little bit about your background and just why water? Where did this amazing passion for water come from? Yeah, it's actually funny because um, I don't think about myself as really being a, a massive water expert, except that I'm extremely curious. And I guess I'm, I'm curious because um, my early career was as a lawyer and a banker and in the climate change space. And I became an entrepreneur in climate change. And I thought that um, I could really shift the future if I focused on how we could move towards a low carbon growth economy. And it wasn't until much later in my career that I realized that water is actually the biggest risk facing our societies, our economies, and our future. And once I realized that, I thought to myself, I can't believe that I'm either really stupid and I never realized this before, (laughs) or it's something that nobody really knows about. And I did a piece of research actually um, amongst millennials and found out that more than 80% of them don't know the nature or extent of the water crisis. But I also found out that something really amazing, which is that when we told them about the water crisis and we explained how all of us are connected to it through the things that we use, buy and consume every day, people immediately started to change their behavior. And not just 1% or 2%, but 80% of people changed their behavior. And even more importantly, three and four wanted to tell their friends, their Mm -hmm. family and their communities. And for me, that was really a moment and a heart moment because I realized that first of all, how can we have such a massive crisis and not be talking about it? Mm -hmm. How can it not be front page news? How can it not be the number one thing for companies and businesses and organizations and governments? How could this be? And the second was that there's a really neat and easy solution in here, which is that when people do know, people understand the problem, they understand how they're connected to it. They know that there are easy solutions. They actually step up and participate in making those solutions real. Right. It's kind of perfect that we have um, this generation of millennials who are so into social justice and injustice. And so I think the millennials are going to save the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Somebody once told me, and it's not what the future holds, but who holds the future. Mm -hmm. And I think the time for old people like me has gone. And the time for the younger generation to step up to the plate and actually figure out how to solve a lot of these issues is coming. And I know just the work that we do in China, educating kids across the country is really important because I see firsthand the innovations and the ideas that they come up with when we hold our innovation competitions. This is, again, not just one or 2,000 kids. We educate millions of kids. So the power of the minds and the passion of the next generation to solve this problem is immense. Mm -hmm. But actually, you asked me how I got into water, and I Mm -hmm. gave you a long, convoluted (laughs) reason why water is important. Um, But actually, it was a couple of things that coincided. When I was a kid, uh, I always knew that water is important. I grew up in Melbourne, Australia, 10 years Mm -hmm. of drought, and Mm -hmm. we had these big signs around saying, target 155, you've got to use less than 155 litres of water per person per day. Um, And... I, so I knew that water was important. We'd put buckets under the taps and then take the water and put it on the garden. We went to the shopping centre and they'd replaced fountains with 
plastic potted plants. Wow. We'd have dinner time conversations where we talked about how to save water in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, it was that's just, awesome. it was really cool. Yeah. I always knew that water was important, but I didn't realize how urgent it was until much, much later. Um, and I think someone said to me that um, something that really kind of epitomized the position I was in and why I moved away from working specifically on climate change and started more on water, although of course they're linked, which is that if climate change is a shark, water is the teeth. Mm-hmm. It's the place where we're going to get bitten first. And mm-hmm. it's absolutely right. We see examples of that across the world. The last 96 days I've been running and traveling around the world to some of the places that have been hit hardest by the water crisis. I've seen the evidence of how the water crisis bites. And when it bites, it bites hard and it affects us. It affects our communities, mm-hmm. our economies, and it affects life. Can you tell me a little bit about the running dry movement and the 100 marathons, um, all your inspirations, successes, challenges? Tell us all about that. <laughs> wow, that's like a long <laughs> question. <laughs> There's a hundred days worth of <laughs> adventures. Ups and downs and left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Um, and also stories. And the the I think for me, the most powerful and impactful part of this whole journey is the story of the people we've met along the way the people who've been hit by the water crisis the people who are suffering through a water crisis but also the solutions that are being developed by people Mm -hmm. to solve these water problems and for me those people are my inspiration they're my water heroes they're the people whose stories I want to tell this is not a story about me running across some of the like most extreme places on the planet this is a story about water those are cool stories yeah Yeah. (laughs) but this is a story about water it's a story about the triumph of the human spirit Mm -hmm. and it's about how we can join together as a movement for change to really solve this massive crisis that we're all facing Mm -hmm. yeah we um we went to imagine h2o which is in san francisco um last year and we're going again this year and it was amazing to see all the water technology that's being done and and invented and um just to solve all these problems that we have it's so awesome to see that you know for as dire as it is i feel like it's heading in the right direction or there it's in it could be in good hands because there are a lot of younger people especially inventing things to make you know systems run more efficiently or um detect chemicals or detect you know emerging contaminants faster um so it's it's exciting to see all the technology that's springing up from this yeah i think that the opportunity to apply the innovations and inventions of the fourth industrial revolution to solving the water crisis is massive. And I see in um, San Francisco, the work that's being done by Imagine H2O is amazing, investing and developing and incubating new tech. In Israel, the same thing has been happening. If you think Absolutely. about um, when we were in Israel, um, the team went to meet the guys that actually invented drip irrigation mm-hmm. at Netafim. Yep. And hearing the story about how that happened and just understanding when you come here, and we went to the Imperial Valley in California and went to see the farms where Netafim has actually been deployed. And there's an amazing farm on the Cape Verde River, mm. um, which is Hauser and Hauser. And they have one of the biggest farms in along the, the, the Verde River. And they have completely revolutionized how they use the water out of the Verde River in order to protect and preserve the stream of water, not only for their generation, but for future generations. And one of the key pieces of the puzzle for them in making this change was to deploy Netafim technology. 
Netafim technology is pieces of plastic pipe and little drips mm-hmm. or little sprinklers that can actually deliver water in a really efficient way. So mm-hmm. I think that technology is important. However, yeah. I there is a huge caution, which is that we cannot expect technology alone to develop yeah. and implement the solutions mm-hmm. for this problem. We ourselves need to be part of that solution and that means changing our behaviour. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, just as an example, because I think it's really powerful, you know, that just by turning off the tap, one of us can save a small amount of water, but together we can save literally billions of gallons of water a year. So together we can make an impact much greater than any one of us can alone, but alone is how we actually make the change. Mm-hmm. And I actually, um, on one of your videos on your website, which are all amazing, um, there was one, you said one of my favorite African proverbs that talks about, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, you have to go together. And so um, you were talking about that in terms of, because I, I, I know I'm sh- I know that the running dry movement and, and your 100 marathons in 100 days is, you know, could be a whole podcast all in itself. But I didn't want to gloss over that because you came down to us on crutches. And so I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit about the thing that to me was the most powerful about that was obviously the level of awareness that you're bringing to the global water crisis, but the community that came around you, I mean, I could, I could feel like your heartbreak was palpable in watching that video, but then to see the people who came and who rallied around you around this cause was just incredible. So if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yes, I did come down here on crutches, which is, uh, I'm getting quite good at using them. Wouldn't want to run a marathon, but at least I'm getting better than I was. I think sometimes when we set out to do something big, uh, you don't, ex- you don't know or understand what's going to happen along the way. All you know is that you set out with your full intention, your heart and your mind committed to making it happen. I think when faced with a huge challenge, whether it's running 100 marathons or solving a global water crisis, it's easy, or both, both, yeah. Um, It's easy to be so intimidated by the scale and enormity of what you're trying to do that you shy away from it, Mm. that you fear failure so much that you're not prepared to tackle the challenge, that you listen to all the naysayers so often and so much that you lose faith in yourself Mm. and instead of tackling it head on and just saying let's go for it you run in the opposite direction and I think for too long that's how we've treated the water crisis instead of tackling it head on we've run and the time for running is over Mm -hmm. so instead of running away I've been running toward when I set out to run 100 marathons in 100 days around the world in some of the most extreme places on the planet I cannot tell you how many people told me I wouldn't succeed. I can't tell you how many people told me I'm not an athlete, I'm not a runner, I'm not fast, it's going to take too long, it's going to... All the excuses Mm. in the world. But I set out to make 100 marathons in 100 days happen. At day 62, I was in Cape Town. We'd just run through um, a place called Beaufort West, which is a couple of hours north of Cape Town. It's a town where they have literally run out of water when they turn the taps on water no longer comes out Mm. in order to get access to water trucks go out from the local municipality laden 
with plastic containers of water and get distributed to households. It's not a lot of water. So these are households with six, seven people in each home and they have two five-litre containers to last them 24 hours. On one of my marathons, we went out on the back of one of the trucks and I ran with these gallons of water and I distributed them to the local community. It completely changes how you think about water. When you have children and adults running after the truck, begging you for more water. When fights break out on the street because the truck is turning left rather than right Mm. and the people to the right want to know when they're going to get their water because they literally have nothing to drink. All of a sudden you realise just how powerful the message is that every, every drop counts. And how powerful the message is, we cannot leave anyone behind. Mm -hmm. So having seen this, having experienced it, having really kind of changed my concept of the value of water, which I already value water enormously, but just seeing the importance of it and how critical it is to life. I had been running for several days with a lot of pain in my leg and I'd of course ignored it because... I don't run because I like to run. I run because of water. And I th- yeah. when bad things happen, I think about the next generation. I think about what kind of world I want to leave to the kids. And so I'd ignored the pain. And by the end of day 62, I could no longer run. My team had to carry me into the car, into the house that we were staying in. They'd already decided that I couldn't sleep in a tent anymore because I couldn't get off on, on off the ground. Um And I was in pretty bad shape. So the next day, instead of going to the start of the run, we went to the hospital. And at the hospital, I had a scan and the scan showed that I had a very bad stress fracture. Um, Mm -hmm. The fracture wasn't just a little mark in the bone. It was actually a gap between the bones. And the doctors told me that if I continued to run... Not only would the bones separate, but the entire femur would break. Your femur is in the top part of your leg. Mm -hmm. It is the single biggest bone in your body. Mm -hmm. And without a femur, you literally can't put your foot down because your leg flops around. If I break my leg completely, then I have to have plates and screws and there's no more running crazy long distances for any reason, let alone for water. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought my whole campaign I thought everything was over all I could think was I failed one of my friends from Australia sent me a note um, which said sometimes the darkest moments are the ones before dawn Mm. and I sent a message back and I said there is no dawn there is just darkness (laughs) and something amazing started to happen and I think this is really a remarkable was first of all, it's remarkable just for what happened. But second of all, I think it's a really powerful story because even when we think everything is going wrong, sometimes it takes the wrong to get the right. Yeah. And we can't innovate. We can't, we can't change without being prepared that we're going to go through some dark times. But also we have to expect that there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And my light was to see my phone start to get messages from, first of all, from people I knew and then from people I don't know at all saying, we've heard... And no matter what, don't go out and run. We need you. We will shoulder the burden of the miles. Just go and tell the stories because the stories are more important than the miles. We can do the miles. 
And that day, my team, I'm going to cry now. I'm going <laughs> to cry. <laughs> I thought I was, lo- you, I was not looking at a clock. I was looking at the goosebumps on my arm. <laughs> that day, uh, my team went out and did the miles for me. Mm. And the next day, people I didn't know did miles for me. And every day since then, people have done thousands of miles. Oh you know, God, now I'm going to have to do some miles. <laughs> people from 44 countries and territories in all seven continents of the globe have been out clocking miles and donating their distance to this campaign. They're posting tips about saving water. They're sharing their stories about saving water. I've had 11-year-old kids run around a track here in the United States We've had teams of kids in Nigeria run with buckets on their heads. <laughs> We've had people make makeshift banners and run around cities to raise awareness about the water crisis. It has been an incredible thing to see this groundswell of support for water mm. and to really give meaning to every drop counts. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't let you... like. Glosser, I had to hear that story from from your mouth. So thank you so much for that. Uh, that was amazing. Um, but kind of staying on that, I'm interested that you said that people said that you're not an athlete or not a runner. Were you into running before that you got into this? Or was running just, like, how did you make that connection? Okay, so just, just out of the three of us. Mm-hmm. How many of us actually like running marathons and um, crazy long distances? Not well. I mean, I've known between the three of us, no, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I don't run because I love running crazy long distances. I run because I love water. Yeah. And because it's a way to go by foot to these local communities to meet people mm. who are suffering from the water crisis, to meet people who have developed solutions to the water problems that they're facing and to tell their story. Yeah. This is a way of communicating that is not about corporates communicating to people. This mm-hmm. is people to people. Mm. And yes. I think the our capacity to solve this problem lies in the power of each one of us to actually make a change, whether it's changing the way we purchase, looking for sustainably sourced products, whether it's buying organic cotton or 100% recycled cotton, BCI cotton instead of regular cotton, whether it's actually being prepared to step up and take your own coffee cup next time you want to buy a coffee. You know, we were talking earlier about most people have no idea that it takes 200 litres of water. I don't know what that is in (laughs) gallons, but the rest of the world is 200 (laughs) litres. It's a lot. 200 (laughs) litres of water to make one of those disposable coffee cups Mm -hmm. and it's completely non-recyclable. So Mm -hmm. inside it's plastic and outside it's paper cannot recycle that lasts longer on this planet than any of us has been alive it is crazy why we don't stop and rethink the way that we consume water yeah absolutely and i love how you tied together these two things that you're very passionate about so the water and the running and we have a friend uh, chris wolf who he did something very similar where he ties his love of water with adventure and he has this whole youtube series called adventure hydrology he's a one-man show it's amazing um, but I, I thought of him when I was looking when I was watching some of your videos too um, so in terms of 
because we've kind of been going back and forth and talking about how how do we get this message out there? How do we best communicate these stories? Do you think pairing water with kind of these activities that people already love and already are engaged with is, is sort of almost like a secret formula that we can use to kind of on the sly get people more engaged with talking about water and water's cause? I think on the whole, water experts over the years without any without intending any disrespect to water the water community i think as a whole we've been really poor at communicating the issues and the solutions and we've been particularly poor at inspiring people to become part of a movement for change Mm -hmm. we need to get much better at that and the thing about water is that we're on a timeline the clock is ticking Mm -hmm. experts predict already that by 2030 there's going to be a 40 percent greater demand for water than the supply of water available so we don't have the luxury of a wait and see approach we need a act now approach and so i think that this is a lot of this is about changing the dialogue it's about reconfiguring the dialogue and if that requires us to have a trojan horse of do what you love and then let's feed in issues about water Mm that's okay with me Mm -hmm. because the reality and the beautiful thing about water is it affects all of us in every aspect of our lives every single day Mm -hmm. you know from the water that went into the outfits that we're wearing every single one of us even just Mm -hmm. what each one of us is wearing now took Mm -hmm. more water to make than all the water we've drunk in our lifetimes Mm -hmm. that's a pretty scary statistic but it's also really interesting because it means that all day every day we relate to water yes we love um saying that we can you know relate anything to water so you know we we that was one of our like um what is our our gifts i guess and we played that with um with chris wolf before is like how do we relate this word to water and it was easy i mean everything is related to water and so um i love that and i love that you've kind of been able to engage people one niche at a time you know just through his adventure through your running um, so that's that's awesome. But we need to make water more than just a niche yes. communication, yes. right? Water mm-hmm. needs to become mainstream. Yes. And I've always said that the entire purpose of the Running Dry campaign is to make wa- saving water famous. Not just like, oh, yeah, I know about it. But we need to make it so famous it becomes not just the right thing to do, but it becomes the only thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saving water needs to be front page news all day, every day. It needs to be a number one on the priorities for companies and businesses and governments and organizations, we need to talk about it. We need to solve it far beyond it being a niche. Absolutely. Well, but I just think in terms of like, because when you tell people we need to tell everyone, sometimes that can feel overwhelming. So I feel kind of the strategy that you guys have taken and just kind of approaching it from that pocket to pocket perspective allows you to have more of that person to person how you know you're talking about going to these communities on foot and how it's just so much more it just resonates with people so much more when they see it touch it feel it experience it through the senses and when whenever you have the opportunity to engage with people in a place that they don't expect it um and i feel like i'm i want to give the people who are tasked with communicating the value of water, the permission to be creative and to think outside the box and to do it in a way that is not normal and that will resonate with people differently so that we can continue to impact more and more people and and make water famous. I like that much better than make water sexy. It needs to be famous. Who cares if it's sexy? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, we need to communicate differently. We need to communicate in a way that people encourages people to listen, mm-hmm. to connect, 
and to act. And unfortunately, traditional communications, I don't think, do that anymore. We've been so barraged by advertising, by corporate communications that we no longer listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that the only way for us to convey messages is through the power of people, through the power of word, and through the power of different innovative wo- messaging. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how much I have seen people's minds change people's attitudes change when you tell them stories people connect with stories Mm -hmm. they connect with people and whether it's a story of the guys in Beaufort West or the stories of farmers and communities in places like Menindi in Australia where literally thousands of fish have died along the rivers and the rivers are becoming choked by algal blooms but Mm -hmm. but that that are really destroying the river because low river flows, poor management, mm-hmm. um, changing weather patterns have all created this incredibly con- concentrated set of issues mm-hmm. which are affecting all the farmers there. And to see the lives of these farmers be irreversibly affected is heartbreaking. Sure. But when they tell their story, it has an impact. Right. And not only an impact in Australia, an impact all over the world because it's common, there are common issues everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you kind of brought all that up. We, in our industry, we're very technical, regulatory, scientific, a lot of engineering speak. Um, we have a lot of um, subject matter experts. So oftentimes when we communicate water story, um, we usually start in the middle of the book when most people um, from the public ha- haven't even cracked open the book. Um, and we think the way you tell your story has really struck a nerve with people. So how do we tell water story in a way that resonates with people? It's really funny because I've spoken to a lot of water experts um, across the world. And sometimes I have to explain to them, okay, just really what you just said, say it again, but without the technical words in only words that only have a couple of syllables and you have to explain to people what even groundwater is. Uh, I think that we all in the water sector and the water space have a responsibility to communicate this simply. I think for me, one of the benefits of getting into the water space early on and being really humble and saying, okay, maybe I know a lot about climate change, but I'm just early into this water space. So I am on a learning journey to understand water better. That has meant that I can approach these things in a really grassroots way to say step by step, I need to understand. Yeah. And if I don't understand, I also need to be prepared to ask. And that is also a really hard thing. And I think we also in the water space need to need to know that we need to give more information, more simply, in a clearer way, and then allow people an opportunity to ask those questions on their own. And it might be direct or it might be just by letting them go online and figure it out and develop an interest in the next level and the next level and the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And if they go online, we want to make it easy for them to find that information and not get frustrated by it. And, Hashtag and three clicks. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so that's my other observation. When yeah. I started in the water space, I started Googling to find information. There is either everything everywhere or there's nothing nowhere. Yep. And I don't understand. I don't understand how we can have such an incredibly important issue that's so hard to get real information about and I think we need somehow we need to change that somehow we need a consolidated platform where everybody can go and they know there it is it's a portal I can get my information here I can digest as much of it as I want or I 
don't need to. It's like a kind of buffet. Okay, yeah. well, today I want to have the seafood and tomorrow maybe I want to have the vegetarian couscous. Yeah. You know, choose <laughs> what you want to choose and have fun kind of going through it. Mm-hmm. But also, somehow there, we need to have a way to digest that information in a way that helps us. For example, am I going to make a decision on the seafood or the vegetarian couscous because the hotel told me eat this one or eat this one? No. I'm going to ask around. I'm going to ask people who don't have a vested interest. Mm-hmm. What do they think? Which one did you like? Oh, you've got that on your plate. Is that good? Yeah. Should I get that one? Are you going back for your seconds or thirds? I'll get that again. And that is the power of the story to make a difference and to make an impact. And that is why I think people, people's voices are the most important thing in this entire dialogue. When people think about activists in the global water crisis, they may think of Matt Damon with water.org or Scott Harrison of Charity Water. What does it mean for you to be a woman in this space? And how do you feel that your message and approach differs from, say, the Matt Damons of the world? That is a really good question. Because in many countries, water affects women and girls more than anyone else on the planet. In India, I can't tell you how many women I witnessed going to the wells, going to the water holes, not just once, but multiple times a day to fetch water for their families. In places like Africa, where you've seen women walk an average of six kilometers a day, often in some very extreme and dangerous environments, you understand begin to understand just how impactful water is. I went into the homes, I went to local villages and communities in places like India and in Africa, and we talked to people to understand what it meant to live with and without water. And the vast majority of the people I spoke to were women. Yeah. So I think that really understanding that and understanding that if we can solve some of these water problems we also help to solve sanitation issues if we can solve access problems we solve school problems and education problems and we can start to break the cycle that is affecting so many women and so many girls all around the world you asked me how how does my message differ there's been a lot of discussion publicly about water in the context of digging wells and providing people with access to water. And I think that is absolutely fantastic and needs to be applauded and rewarded and encouraged. But it doesn't empower people in all places, in all parts of the planet to become involved in a movement for change. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, if you live in a city like Dallas where we are right now, and you don't have a lot of money to make a donation Mm -hmm. to Charity Water or to other places, or you don't have the capacity or you're not confident enough to organize others to give you a donation Mm -hmm. to then give it to them, it means you can't participate. And I think that we need to create an environment where we can all be part of making a change because we all use water. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. You use water. So we need to give everybody an opportunity to participate. And one of the reasons why I chose running is because you don't need special equipment. You just get out there and run. Mm -hmm. Yes. And even for me at the moment, I can't run, but I can still participate in others going for a run. I can still hobble along for 100 (laughs) metres or a couple of hundred metres or or get involved. And I think Mm -hmm. that that is a really important message to give everybody, that Mm -hmm. this is not just someone else's problem. This isn't our problem. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we need to become part of the solution. 
I love it. So your efforts are centered around awareness in education. And in our world, this is an area where we struggle to get a lot of the financial support um, because we don't have these widgets that we're producing. And our metric is behavior change, which is difficult to measure and happens over sometimes a long time. So how do you get companies like the Colgates, Reeboks, National Geographic to rally behind you, invest in telling water story through awareness and education? That is a really, really good question. (laughs) I think one of the reasons why people have raised a lot of money for digging wells and water purification systems is because people want to buy a widget. They want to be able to go and see that their money has bought X or Y or Z. Yeah, they want a picture of it. Instant gratification. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that the challenge in the education and awareness space is that we don't have a widget we don't have a thing we can't take people to show the impact that they've had and yet if we don't educate and we don't innovate and we don't get people to change their behavior there will be no world for them to celebrate with instagram Mm -hmm. and facebook and everything else companies like the colgates and the reeboks and all the others that have supported me and this project have a commitment to two things. The first is, of course, to saving water and making saving water famous. Mm-hmm. But the second is also showing to the world that you don't have to be anyone to be someone. That every single one of us is capable of doing amazing, great things. Every single one of us is capable of making a difference on our planet. And From my perspective, that's one of the most incredibly important things that this whole campaign is showing because we need people to be inspired. We need people to go and turn off the light when they leave the room. Mm -hmm. We need people to turn off the faucet when they're brushing their teeth. We need people to get out there and be part of making a difference. And if people feel completely disenfranchised and feel that whatever they do doesn't make an impact, they won't make a change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, In the water industry, we talk a lot about communicating the value of water and making people aware of the true cost that comes from treating drinking water and then treating the wastewater after we've finished using it. So we ask people in our industry, what does success look like? How will we know when people truly do value water? What does success look like to you? Easy. (laughs) I want to make saving water famous. I want it to be Time Magazine's Person of the Year. I want it to be... We're going to help you. Yeah. Done. (laughs) I want it to be top of the list of priorities for companies and businesses and organizations and government. I want it to be talked about. I want it to be the thing that we do, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it's the only thing to do. Mm -hmm. When we reach that point, we will collapse the gap between the demand and supply for water and then... We have success. Uh, one of the things that uh, me and, and a friend of mine, we've talked about that before. And we've, from our perspective, that we'll know that we've truly begun to make an impact when every single politician in this country cannot run unless their water, unless water is on their platform, unless they can come. And that's one of the key topics that they have to talk about. And we'll know that we've really begun to to move that needle forward when when we can uh, make water famous, but also make it a necessity for those people who are making the decisions uh, in our government. And so we're passionate about that for sure. 
I think it started in the places that are suffering from water problems. Mm-hmm. So the Californias, um, the the you know the Texases, yeah. the I don't know if you guys call it Texases, Texas, well, the Texas, yeah, sure. places like California <laughs> and Texas. <laughs> um, but also, you know, some of the, so many of these states, New Mexico's and others where you've actually really been suffering mm-hmm. and you've had to innovate, you've had to develop solutions. Arizona, for example, you know, the, just figuring out how to put, put the drought um, the drought resilience plan into action and actually pull that whole thing together is an amazing achievement. And that's politicians at work really yep. trying to figure out solutions. But it only happened because it was we were facing a crisis. Yep. Somehow we need to work out how we don't need necessity to be the mother of invention. Yes. We don't need necessity to be the thing that pushes us towards a, a conclusion and agreement or whatever. We actually need us to be able to preclude that from happening. Um, so the hundred... Uh, the 100 marathons in 100 days, that actually wraps up on February 11th, correct? Yes, that is correct. Awesome. And so until February 11th, um, if people want to donate their their miles to you, how do they do that? So we've been having a chat briefly uh, about what next. Yeah. And about how do we keep this momentum going? As everybody listening to this podcast will know, it's World Water Day on the 22nd of March, which is Mm -hmm. a day very close to my heart and probably very close to everybody else's heart listening. And so we're coming up with some ideas of what we can do in the lead up to World Water Day. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, I really want to encourage people to get out there and continue to to donate the distance. Yes, to Mm -hmm. continue to donate the distance. Um, When you donate your distance, it's super easy. You don't need to be a crazy runner. And you can just go out, you can walk, you can go on your own with a community of friends, you can go with a dog, (laughs) you can just log your miles. If you go with a dog, does that count as two people? (laughs) My mum wondered if it counted as four because there's like, you know, four legs (laughs) um and so you yeah you can go out any way any way you like um we've had people get together groups of others so i think you know in in terms of in the spirit of communicating and Mm -hmm. in the spirit of sharing messages about water what's been incredible to me is to see one person who's passionate about water get together a group of friends um and to organize a run or a walk six miles or six kilometers because six is obviously six six kilometers is the average distance women walk for water in places in many places on the world and they've gone out and six kilometers you can do in one hour so if you think about it it's basically an hour of walking they've got Mm. together a group of people to donate their distance and they thought they were just getting a group of people together to have a nice walk and what's happened is the entire duration of the walk they have talked about water They've sat down afterwards and had coffee and talked about water. Yes. These conversations, people send me messages going, we never expected this to happen, but we've just been talking about water for three hours on a Saturday morning. I love it's it. It's just Every conversation. completely incredible because mm-hmm. then what happens is those people then organize their own activities. Mm-hmm. They then start tweeting and messaging about water mm-hmm. and it becomes this whole kind of ripple effect. Love pun the intended. ripple effect. Yep. So they do that, they donate those miles by going to your oh, sorry. website. No, you can donate your miles by doing the walk or the run Mm -hmm. and then going onto your social media of choice, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you like, and then logging it with a hashtag running dry. So running dry will continue past Monday. 
it is and has taken on a life of its own and awesome. it will continue until we are no longer running dry. Water nerds out there, challenge accepted. Let's let's do this. Okay, we're going to get into a real quick uh, wrap-up lightning round. What's keeping you inspired every day? Um, what's a resource that you can recommend to us? The thing that keeps me inspired every day is the next generation. I want a world where there's enough water for everyone forever and I want a world where children are not constrained to achieve their dreams by their access or availability of water. I love it. Every day when things get hard and when things get tough, I think about the children. Uh, a resource that I can recommend, oh, that's easy. People. Talk to people. Ah. People know water better than we do. Talk to the people that are affected. Talk to the people that have solutions. Just get out there and experience and talk to the people at the coalface. I think it's easy for those of us that sit in offices or in buildings to forget that the people most affected are the people at the coalface. Mm-hmm. Get out there and talk to them. Mm. What's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Be completely 100% focused on the thing that matters. And that, for me, is making Saving Water famous. That drives every single thing I do every day. Laser focus. She has laser focus. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes when we ask this question, people say, oh, I get up in the morning and I run. <laughs> We're talking yeah. to the ultimate runner, runner here, <laughs> and I'm always like, golly, I wish I could get up in the morning and run. I just don't have it in me. Well, I have no excuse now. I feel like, I mean, you have crutches, and you're like, I'm still going to hobble around. Like, okay, I'll get up, and I'll do some miles <laughs> just for you. But, okay. hey, but it's also important to understand that, you, yeah, you can get out and do miles, but you need to focus on the things that are going to make an impact in the longer term. And the thing that makes an impact for me in the water space yeah, it's, it's running, but it's also understanding the problems and the solutions, working out how we can take all the footage of the amazing stories of the people we've met and convert it into a digestible form that people all around the world will see. How we can create a platform for those stories to be distributed, how we can actually get in front of the eyeballs and into the hearts of people everywhere. So I feel like we've kind of been talking about this last question the whole um, throughout the whole time. But um, this is the last question we ask every single person that we interview. And so in, in our area, me and Arianne's area of work, you know, we, we deal a lot with asking people to change. And some people will say, well, what difference does it make if I change? I'm just one person that's not going to make a big impact. And we, of course, wholeheartedly disagree with that. We believe that one person making a change can be contagious and ultimately um, could ultimately change the world. You know, I feel like I'm looking at one of those change agents right now sitting across from me. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe can ultimately change the world? I know you want one, but I'm going to give you two. Sorry. I know I really hate it when people do that. So (laughs) I'm going to hate myself. But anyway, um, there's two things. I think every day remind yourself you don't have to be anyone to be someone. Because I think that when we remember that, we remove the excuse of, oh, what I do doesn't matter. Yeah. We need to understand there are no excuses. We have to make a difference. We have to make a change. We have to make an impact. So the first is you don't have to be anyone to be someone. The second is um, there's a lot of research that's been done on the power of making your bed in the morning Ah, because it's a moment of success and it sets you up for a day of success. In the water space, I think the equivalent is turning off the faucet when you brush your teeth. It's an extraordinarily simple thing to do, but that first thing in the morning reminds you of the importance of saving water. It lodges it in your head for the rest of the day, and it becomes a habit 
and a mindset for change in a really positive way. And I think if there's one call to action that in terms of a water call to action, it would be just that do one simple thing every day to remind yourself of the importance and the value of water. I love it. I see your make the bed every morning and I raise you, I turn the water off every morning. I love how you made that about water and I want to thank you so much for giving us that kind of shift in perspective because for a lot of us who have been in this world of conservation and of water, I mean, that's a message that's just, you know, for us, we've been hearing it for a decade or more. It's kind of wearing on us now, but now I'm going to see it in a whole completely different way that it's not just about this simple action and there's so much more, but that it's about, this is my win. This is my first water win of the morning. So that's amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time to, to speak with us today. It's It's been an honor. It was an honor to get the time with you before. We're so inspired by yeah. you, your you story. Made you made me cry. That's hard. <laughs> um, inspired that you're a CEO, a woman running this business and um, this movement, this change of the world, all of that is right up our alley and uh, we will continue to follow you probably everywhere you go from this point on. <laughs> awesome. As long as following means coming for a run here and there. I, off my crutches. I will do that. Absolutely. I will do that too. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. And I'm going to make everyone that I know run, run too. Mm-hmm. So thank you. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We wouldn't be anywhere without you, Team Water. We hope you enjoyed the episode today and that you never miss out on a future episode by clicking on subscribe or even better, by signing up for the Water Nerds newsletter at theh2duo.com forward slash newsletter. If you haven't registered for Catalyst yet, get on that stat. We only have a few spots left before we are officially sold out. Catalyst is a mastermind summit created for water educators and communicators by water educators and communicators. We preach the rogue water ABCs of water communication, assessment, branding, content, and strategy. And we're driven by the mission to create an environment of tribal collaboration. You'll be yelling waterluya all the way back home. Register at roguewatergroup.com forward slash catalyst. As always, we hope you learned something new or got a little inspired to move that needle forward doing the work that matters. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.